The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is superior to everything. And being so much greater, he has brought a lot of changes. He has changed the priesthood. He brought the change in covenants. And maybe the most important thing Jesus has changed, me. I was a lost sinner, far from God, rebellious. And Jesus not only took away my sin, he made me a new creation. He's made me hunger and thirst for the things of God. He changed me. The Holy Spirit lives within me. God's law is written on my heart. I was dead in my sin. Now I am alive in Christ. Why Jesus? Because he changes how I live. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just pause for a second. I know Pastor Taylor prayed for me. Um, But I'm going to ask you to pray for me right now so that I would be um, faithful to clearly and accurately communicate God's Word. And I'll pray for you to receive it. All right? Let's pray. Father, Your Word tells us that You have exalted Your Word even above Your name. This is a big deal to You. And it should be to us. Father, we've all come in here tired at times, distracted at times. Not ready. I pray, Father, just now that you would do a supernatural work to prepare us to hear what your word has to say. Nothing for show. Father, we want to sincerely follow you. We want to know you. We want to live lives of worship. So may your word equip us to do that just now, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first three verses. Are you there? It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Today, we are going to talk about running. Who are my runners here? Raise your hand if you enjoy running. One of you. Exactly one. Sorry to put you on the spot, but that's, Doug, that's one more than we should have in this room. Because I hate running. I I hate running. How much do I hate running? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. I got new shoes. Did you see these bad boys? I'm like, I won't lose those in the dark or miles away or anything. And I'm like, boy, those are really those are really bright. 
And somehow I missed it. I, I got him home, looked at the box, and the box said running across the top. I'm like, well, I'm a hypocrite. Like, guess what you guys won't be doing? Running. So now I kind of view them as rescues, right? <laughs> you rescued dog. I rescued your shoes. You're never going to have to run. <laughs> Ever. How much do I hate running? Well, my wife knows because she got me this shirt. And she saw this. She goes, this is you. Not, well, not, not this one. This one. If you're listening on the podcast, you're way back there. It says, ready, set, nope. Look, I, to be fair, I used to run. I used to be an athlete a couple of decades ago. So I used to run, and I hated every step of it. Every step, even when I was in shape and 40 pounds lighter, and I hated every step. I was attacked over the course of my running career. I was attacked by so many dogs. So many dogs came after me out of their yard. Out of breath, every joint in my body, excruciating. Have you ever seen somebody running? Like you're driving down the road and you see... Have you ever seen somebody running? Have you ever looked at their face? Because I've met people that they're like, I love running! I'm like, I've never seen that guy. Every single person that I see running looks like they're being tortured. They're like... Right? Nobody enjoys running, okay? So stop pretending. Just say you're being nebby about what's going on in the neighborhood or something. But nobody loves running. But, but, spiritually, in this passage we see there is a striving that follows faith. There is spiritually an intense effort on our part which is why a common metaphor for the Christian life in the New Testament is running a race. And did you know the Greek word for race is the word agona, which is where we get the word, appropriately, agony. That is true. But listen, when we talk about running the race, we're not talking about competing against one another. Like, well, what is it about? Unless you're going to want to write this down. It's striving through suffering to get to the finish line. That's the metaphor. It's striving through suffering to get to the finish line. That's why it's called a race. I am striving through suffering to get to the finish line. And here's the problem, church. Especially in our culture, and even in this church, too many Christians have reduced the definition of faith to mean that I intellectually agree with a doctrinal statement. And for some people, that's what faith is. I just agree with a doctrinal statement. That is not what faith is. Many years ago, about the time in my life that I did run, but many years ago, I ran a senior high boys wilderness camp. And in this wilderness camp, I would take, it was, it, 
Some of you guys would love this. We went rappelling and rock climbing and hiking and canoeing and all that stuff. It was it was a blast. But I remember there was this one kid in particular. We were on one of our hikes, and he was just the whole time just just complaining about everything. And I'm like, what is the matter? Like on the trail, I turn. I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, why are we doing so much hiking? And I said, what did you think was going to happen when you signed up for wilderness camp? And I had a moment I'm not proud of. And I was frustrated because hiking's kind of like running. A pain. But um, I had this moment I wasn't proud of. That I, I, said to this, I said to this senior high kid, I said, you know what? How about this? Next year, we'll have beanbag camp. And we'll just get beanbags and Nintendos, and we'll just lay around and play video games all week. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I'm like, you are such a jerk. And I'm like, now I'm thinking, I can apologize to this kid. And in this moment of my brain processing, he goes, that would be so cool. (laughs) And that became a thing for years. People were like, when can we do beanbag camp? But listen, that's the kind of Christianity that people want. But that is not in the brochure. Listen to me. If you find your faith to be convenient and easy and always making you feel good, you don't have faith by any biblical definition. Because Hebrews 11 showed us what faith is. It's a belief in God's word that shapes every decision of your life. It moves you to work hard for God's kingdom while you wait on his promises. And that's why after he gives this whole list of people, a plethora of Old Testament saints and what faith looked like in their lives, now the exhortation to the church, to us. He says, because of these witnesses, he goes, now run. Because real faith is striving through suffering to get to the finish line. That's what real faith is. I have to ask you, does that describe your Christian journey right now? How is your run? Are you running hard right now? Are you running hard in your Christian race right now? Running like you want to win? Are you running right now like you want to finish strong? Or have you slowed down? Has the agony and the dogs, the breathlessness, the sweat, has it made you just want to quit? Is that where you are? Do you notice three times, we we just looked at three verses, and in each verse, the same word shows up, some variation of the same word, the word endurance. Endure. Enduring. That literally means to remain under the challenge. That's what that means. In other words, it means to suffer. 
In other words, it means this, church, listen. You've got to keep running when you don't feel like running. That's what that means. We need endurance in this Christian race. And I have to ask you, church, are you wearing out? Like, well, how do I know? How do I know that I'm wearing out? Well, there's, there's signs. There's signs that you're wearing out. A big one is this. How's your prayer life? When was the last time you got on your face and actually prayed instead of just saying your prayers? Because there's a huge difference. And I would also say, when was the last time that you saw a prayer answered? That you're like, I prayed for this, and I saw exactly how God answered. When was the last time you saw that? Are you slowing down? When, when was the last time you were in the Word? And I don't just mean reading the one little verse at the top of your devotional. I mean like in God's Word, studying, uh, meditating, and, and, and memorizing, and, and praying it back to God. When was the last time you really like got into the Word like, like, like you wanted it? When was the last time that you shared the gospel with someone because you had a burden for their spiritual condition or you invited them to come to harvest to hear the gospel? When was the last time you've done that? Are you slowing down? Here's a big one. Because there's a lot of people in this church who serve in so many capacities. Let me ask you this. Right now, in your service, whatever capacity you serve, are you serving out of obligation? We're like, you know what? I'm doing this, but deep down, if we're going to be honest, I really don't want to. I don't feel like doing this anymore. And I'm doing it just because they're expecting me and they're kind of counting on me. But I really don't want to do this. That's a sign that you're running out of endurance. All of these are signs that you're running out of endurance. And that's why he tells us, endure, endure, endure. You've got to keep running when you don't feel like running. And listen, I can, I can tell you how to run, and I can give you some reasons why, but I can't, I can't give you the want to. I can't give you the heart. I, I can't do that. You see, I can't come beside you and say, hey, you should run the race. You're like, I know. I should. And I'm like, well, what's the problem? And you're like, I just don't want to. I'm overwhelmed right now in my life, and I feel beat down. And look, I know I need to run. I just don't want to run. Well, like a doctor today, I just I want to properly diagnose your problem. The Word of God will do that. Because only when you properly diagnose your problem. Why Why am I not motivated? Why am I not enduring? Why am I slowing down and wearing out on my race? If we can diagnose why, then we can seek the remedy. And then we can get motivated. So let's get real and see why I'm not motivated to run. Why I'm not motivated to run the race of faith as I should Number one, write this down, I sabotage myself. 
Here's a reason maybe you're not enduring in your race. I sabotage myself. Look at verse 1 again. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So one reason that some of you, some of you are not running the race as you should is because you sabotaged yourself. You believe in Christ, you're in the race, but you've weighed yourself down. That's a pretty obvious picture, isn't it? Like if I called you up and I said, hey, you want to go for a run? Don't worry, that's never going to happen. You will never get that phone call, but we can pretend. But if I called you up and said, hey, do you want to go for a run? And you're like, I got my fluorescent shoes, Pastor Jeff. I am there. And you come to my house. I'm like, okay, um, first I'm going to need you to carry this on your run. What am I going to do with this? Are we building a house when we get there? No, I just need you to carry that. Oh, Oh, here, carry this too. Who wants to go running with me carrying these things? Anybody? Doug? Doug still says yes. I love you, brother, but you are a maniac. He probably would. But even even he would admit, it suddenly just got a lot harder, didn't it? To run? How many steps do you think you'd make it running with these? You're like, I'm not sure that I'd want to run carrying these things. That's the point. That's what he's saying here. He's saying some of you are not enduring in your Christian race because you're carrying all this extra stuff you don't need to be carrying. And you're like, well, what is that? I'm like sweating just holding this. You're like, well, what is that? Well, for the Jews that he was writing to, it was like the Judaism, dead works kind of thing. But for us, you know, it it, it can be religion. For some people, it's carrying this burden of, i got to make God happy. i got to do all these things to try to please God. And you're not running as you should because that's weight that you don't need to be carrying. And for a lot of you, also, it, it, could, be, it could be shame. It could be shame. You're hesitant to run because you don't have confidence that maybe the weight is like your past mistakes. You're like, I know I need to run, but I've, I've never really done things the way I should. And you don't know some of the things I've done in my past. And, and, and you're carrying this past shame. And I really put the stuff down. But you're carrying this stuff. And you're like, why am I not running as I should? And that's why the Hebrew writer says, look, you've got to get rid of this stuff. Because it's a lot easier to run when you're not carrying all this unnecessary stuff. You've got to drop the burdens. You're like, well, what are they? Well, he says the weight, right? We talked about that. It's former Judaism, shame, religion. But the next thing he says that we do to sabotage ourselves is, is sin. Notice the, the Bible says it clings. It entangles. The word literally means to gather around. And there, I guess, using our running metaphor, the picture is this. You're going for a run and somebody tied your shoelaces together. That makes it hard to run too, doesn't it? 
Listen, some of you can't run your race confidently because of a pornography addiction. Like, why am I not running like I should? It's, you've tied your shoelaces together with pornography. That's why you're not running like you should. For others, maybe it's a, a, a drug and alcohol addiction, drug or alcohol addiction. Man, I want to run. I just don't. Why, why am I not? Why is, my, why is my thing with Jesus? Why does it seem so? You're sabotaging yourself. That's why. Put the bottle down and run. For some people, it's, it's worrying about everything. And that's a sin, by the way. We almost make it look as, as a virtue. Like, ah, I'm just kind of a worrier. I'm just kind of a worry. That's a sin. And for some people, that's why they're not running as they should, because they're, the, the, the sin of worry has them tangled up. And they're not running like they should. You're never going to have endurance if you sabotage yourself. You've got to drop the weight. You want some inspiration? He gives it to us right here, the cloud of witnesses. All the people that he mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they demonstrated a life of faith. We went through all that. We saw the highs and lows. We saw the victory and the agony. We saw the God showed up and we saw the, I'm waiting for God to show up. And all of these people that we've studied over these past several weeks testify to the greatness of running the race. And I promise you, you track them down in heaven. Keep this list. You track them down in heaven and you, you grab them and you, you say, tell me about the, the stuff that I read about you in God's word. Every single one of them are going to say it was worth it. Everything that I endured was worth it. And see, we're encouraged by people who went before us. And there is a real sense in which we should draw inspiration from them. And I, this is a whole other sermon. I'm, I didn't want to really bark up this tree, but I, I was thinking a lot this week about the people that God's put in my life, past and present, who inspire me. Uh, part of the witnesses, so to speak, who inspire me to run. I think of Pastor Bob, who went to be with the Lord. I, <laughs> he taught me everything I know about being a pastor, and I am not 1% of the pastor that he was. And I think of my friend Mike Singer, who died in a motorcycle accident years ago. Just what an influence he had on me, the way he loved his family. Just his his trust in the Lord and the joy that he just just constantly seemed to be ringing through his life. I think of Barnabas, who's going to be coming over here and preaching in October and the work that he does for the Lord. You see, I look at these guys, and I could go on and on, but my point is I look at these guys and I say, I want to run the race like they did. But then I think also... I should be motivated by the fact that I'm a witness too, right? And there are people that are watching me. You know how motivated I am knowing that there 
is this enormous herd of little people back there that are evaluating the Christian race based on how I'm running it. And if you're a leader in this church, serving in any capacity, they're watching you too. How do they see us running the race? So do you want endurance for your race? Like, oh, it's so hard to run the race. Well, stop sabotaging yourself and it'll get a lot easier. All right? Number two, why am I not motivated to run the race as I should? Well, I sabotage myself. That's a problem. Here's number two. Um, I'm too nearsighted. Look at verse two. It says, um, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, for some of you, your problem is this. You don't live like you really believe that there is a finish line. Maybe you have a health issue. Or worse yet, somebody you love very much, it's very close to you, has a health issue. And you're like, you know what? Nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. Well, that kind of attitude results in no motivation to run. Or maybe you have a spouse that doesn't know Jesus, and you're like, my marriage stinks. Nothing's ever going to change. And you've just resolved yourself to that. Nothing's ever going to change. And when you resolve yourself to that, that results in no motivation. You see, like a real race, if you don't think there's a finish line, you're not going to be motivated to run very long. All right. Like, who's going to sign up to run endlessly? Nobody. The problem is some of you are just too nearsighted. You're too focused on the here and now because today's problem was also yesterday's problem and it's going to be tomorrow's problem. So why bother running? But look at what he says here. Here's the game changer. He says, looking to Jesus. Don't miss this. This will change your life. It says that Jesus was able to endure the cross. Because of the joy that was set before him. You're like, well, what joy? He tells us right here. He says he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Like, what's the point? Here's the point. Jesus was able to endure suffering because he knew what was on the other side of the cross. You see, if Jesus was nearsighted like we are often, If Jesus was that nearsighted like I am, Jesus would say, what, you mean to be humiliated and executed by these people? Hard pass. I'm not doing that. Like, well, why did you do it, Jesus? Because he knew what was on the other side of it. He wasn't so nearsighted, you see. He saw the finish line. Jesus was like, hey, the, the, the cross isn't forever. The shame isn't forever, but the glory that is on the other side of being seated at the right hand of God, that is forever. 
And I would be remiss not to quote <laughs> awesome verse, Romans 8.18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Look, I would never run a marathon. Be like, yeah, I think you made that clear. I would never run a marathon. Be like, yeah, and I can tell by looking at you that you never have. Look, I would never run a marathon. But if you told me for sure, promise, reality, if you told me that there is a cure for autism at the finish line of this marathon, I promise you, I will run and I will crawl and I will puke and I will claw my way to that finish line and I will have a smile on my face the whole way if there's such a glorious thing at the finish line. Do you see the motivation? Do you get it? Paul got it. Heaven's going to be awesome. So can we just, please people, can we suffer for 15 minutes until we get there? Can you take your eyes off of yourself for a minute? Can you take your eyes off of the obstacles? And can you take your eyes off of the other runners? And can you put your eyes on Jesus and everything that he's promised? Because he is, he tells us here, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Well, that's huge. Because he began our faith. And he will complete it. And there's an eternal glory on the other side of suffering. So, do you want endurance for your race? Stop being so nearsighted. I have it on good authority that things will not always be as they are now. And finally, (laughs) why I'm not motivated to run the race of faith as I should. Number three, people have worn me out. People have worn me out. Look at verse three. It says, consider him who, look at this, endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Nothing saps your motivation to endure like dealing with hard people. Nothing. I've been in pastoral ministry now for like two and a half decades or so. And I can tell you this emphatically. Mission trips, sermon prep, administrative work, hospital visits, small group meetings. No one ever quits running the race because of those things. But deal with people who are against you. And that is brutal. Deal with people making accusations against you. Deal with people who are gossiping about you. Deal with people who are slandering you. Or how about this one? Get the email from people that say, hey, we got to have a meeting because I didn't like what you said, what you did, what you wore. Insert thing here. But I got to have a meeting because I didn't like this. 
People wear you out. They just do, right? But look at look at the verse again. Look at verse three. It says, "Consider him. Consider him." You know, I did a lot of reading this week. Consider, I'm studying this. Consider him. You know what? Like the consensus was about that. Everybody was like, "It was like Jesus had it worse than you did." That's what he's saying here. You're going through some hard stuff. Jesus had it worse than you did. Do you think that's the point here? When it says consider him. Does that really help anybody? I worked with this guy many years ago. He was what you call a uh, a story topper. Do you know a story topper? Don't point at anybody in the room. Do you know what I'm talking about by a story topper? It's obnoxious. But I, like, the, here's how a conversation with this guy would go. He'd be like, um, like, man, I'm really tired today. He'd say, oh, you think you're tired? I haven't slept in 75 hours. I'd be like, well, I guess the reason I'm tired is I've, I've, I've just been, been working a lot. Oh, you think you've been working a lot? I just got done with six doubles. And had four triples before that. Like, I don't think a triple's a thing. Like, well, I guess I've been working a lot. I've needed the overtime because I'm broke. Oh, you think you're broke? I got negative 750 in my bank account. And at that point, I'm like, do you think you're helping? Because it isn't. You see, that's that's how a lot of people treat this passage. You're like, consider Jesus. Like, man, my life is hard but not as hard as Jesus, so that's okay. I don't think that's the point at all. Listen, here's the point. Because this is, this is game-changer stuff. I say that a lot, but it kind of all is. All right? Jesus dealt with so much ugliness and nastiness from people so much. How did Jesus endure How did Jesus persevere under the hostility of sinners? There are so many passages we could look at. So many. But for today, there's one thing that Jesus said more than anything else that shows us how he endured. This one statement showed us how he endured such hostility from sinners. And this statement came when Jesus was on the cross, when he was mocked, humiliated, and brutally executed. Luke 23, 34. Look at this statement. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Look at this. This was the ultimate display of Jesus' endurance of hostility from sinners, because this was the ultimate hostility. And in this one statement, in this one statement, we learn a lot about how Jesus endured hostility from sinners. All right? I'm going to go through this very quickly. Jesus endured hostility from sinners by, letter A, write this down, understanding their condition. Do you see that? Jesus said, for they know not what they do. 
He understood their condition. And I know somebody would say, oh, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were crying out for his death. They knew exactly what he was doing. And I would say, did they understand the full weight and impact of the choices they were making? According to Jesus, no. Jesus said they didn't fully understand what they were doing. So yes, they were guilty. Yes, they were responsible. Yes, absolutely. But according to Jesus, they didn't understand the gravity of all of this. They were blind. They were so blinded by sin. Second way Jesus endured hostility from sinners was by praying for them. Do you notice that? He cried out, Father, Father. He's praying here for them. Right? His dying breaths could have been spent cursing them. Right? They're standing down there mocking him. He could have been cursing them. To hell with you people! But instead, through the agony of the cross, Jesus used what energy he had left to pray for them. And finally, how did Jesus endure hostility from sinners? Is by loving them. Father, forgive them. Did you see that? He cried out for their forgiveness. The people who mocked him as he died. I, I can't think of anything more loving than that. I tried this week. Is there a scenario where you could demonstrate a greater amount of love and grace? I could not think of one than this statement right here. So everybody look up here. Look up here. Take a page. Yes, it's hard. Yes, this is counterintuitive. But when he says consider Jesus, this is exactly what he's talking about. Consider and emulate Jesus Christ. Because listen, you're going to faithfully endure when you truly understand that the people who hate you are broken people. And yeah, there's one level, I'm sure, where they do know and understand and are guilty and responsible for the choices that they're making. But deep down, they are broken and blind people. And you need to remember that. The people that hate you and mistreat you and gossip and slander and accuse you, they're broken people. You're not going to be worn out with them if instead of um, uh, complaining about them or slandering them back, try this. Try loving them. Try praying God's grace upon them. So do you want endurance for your race? Stop letting people wear you out. I'm going to ask if our elders would come forward in our worship team. We're going to close with communion. And I love this. This passage says, look to Christ. Consider Christ. And I would say, there's no better way to do that than to gather around his table. Jesus Christ endured the worst that man could do to him and yet remained perfect 
and sinless. And Jesus finished his race all the way to the finish line. His victory is your victory. Your sin and shame are taken away. And you can run your race to win. Knowing that because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you've already won. This is Pastor Jeff Miller, and I would like to thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North. And you know, a question that I get asked frequently from people is this, how can I support your ministry? Well, I got good news for you. It is easy and it is secure. All you have to do is go to harvestpittsburghnorth.org backslash giving and follow the on-screen directions and you can give online to support the ministry of Harvest Pittsburgh North. So until next time, this is Pastor Jeff Miller saying thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North.